like Brent Laurie and I bet I could watch you spread your air out all day. But when you're done doing whatever, when you're through playing whoever, you know that the Nats fans will be right here waiting for you. Hi everyone, welcome to Resting Pitch Face episode 35. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. Check us out on Twitter, Rust and Pitchface with no G. Check out our website, RustingPitchface.com. From there, you have links so you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it now, or to our, directly to our SoundCloud, also to our Zazzle store if you're interested in checking out any of our merch. Um, that's our, our little business. Now it's time to talk about baseball business. I feel like it's been a little bit quieter around the world of baseball since our last episode. But we do have a couple things that we wanted to uh, to talk about. Um, I just, I learned this today, so I guess maybe they need to up their PR campaign, but it's a cool thing anyway. Apparently Massachusetts proclaimed that May 30th is Women's Baseball Day, Women in Baseball Day. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. They didn't actually announce as far as I could tell that they were doing anything, but there's like a thing and it's got fancy script on it and the governor signed it and it says that May 30th is Women in Baseball Day in Massachusetts. Um, so they've got a couple days to figure out if they're actually doing anything, doing anything about that. Personally, I'm planning on walking around on May 30th feeling extremely personally honored. I thought you were going to say you were going to wear your... Uh... Rockford Peaches uniform all day. I could do that. You could do that. I mean, I think you should do that. Yeah. Wednesday? I don't have to do anything super professional on Wednesday. I could wear my uniform. Are you saying that that's not a professional? I mean, it's the All American Girls Professional Baseball League. Yeah. It's quite. You're not wrong. Although I don't think I could wear that in like a lab. I think it would be frowned upon. You could put a coat over it. Put some leggings on. You'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) Like. You're probably not going to do a dirt in the skirt in your lab, but like <laughs> if you needed to, that option would be available too. Yeah. Noted. Yeah. All right. So sliding shorts. So I will, I will put on my, my uniform and my sliding shorts um, <laughs> on Wednesday in honor of Women in Baseball Day. And I will expect Governor Baker, who's not my favorite person, will do something to honor me as I have so clearly earned. And anyone else who's a woman in baseball in Massachusetts who's listening. <laughs> It's still fun, even if, I mean, a lot of these days of whatever, I mean, what is donut day? It's nothing, right? You can get free donuts sometimes. Yeah, I was going to say donut day is You is can you get free donuts? Most sacred holiday. You get free donuts on donut day? Yes. From yeah, who? Yeah, like Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy oh. Kreme, places like that. Places with donuts. Generally, okay. that's where they give you. I guess I don't go to donut stores, so I wouldn't know. Um, does, is there a cat day that gives me free cats? Oh, I wish. Hey, every day is cat day in your life. <laughs> but I don't get free cats every day, is my point. <laughs> I mean, like, you're paying at the Humane Society for, like, shots and, and being spayed or neutered. You're not actually paying for the cat itself. So, I know. Like, it's free cat day all the time. <laughs> but sometimes it's extra free cat day. Yeah, sometimes the they have the adoption fees. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Sometimes um, the Scherzers pay the adoption fees. Also mm-hmm. correct. But yeah, maybe maybe it's something that'll just take a little bit to catch on and they can start doing stuff. Like you'll get a, a discount on baseball tickets if you're wearing your Rockford Peaches uniform or something. I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm trying to go. We'll see if this happens because it's now in like 24 hours. It's Memorial Day. So we're having family time. And I'm trying to convince my parents that we should go to a New Hampshire Fisher Cats game to see Vlad Jr., do you it. should definitely do that. Yeah, and we'll get into our our new blessed 
sacred baseball infant <laughs> later, but like he is a blessed sacred baseball mm-hmm. infant. I know, I know. My so my my parents don't have a whole lot of understanding of prospect stuff, but I was like trying to tell my father that he's batting like 450. Yeah, oh he God. hit the ball far. And yeah. my dad was like, Are, it, 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 "Really? 450? Yeah. Are you sure you're getting that right?" I'm like, "Look, it's right here. He's yes. not going to be in Double A for very long. That's why I want us to go tomorrow." Well, yeah, you I still can. Be. Yeah. Um, they they should probably promote him to Triple A at the very least. Not until I see him. Yeah. Okay. Tomorrow. Okay, Vlad, <laughs> just like ignore any call ups until Lara sees you, and then run to Triple A. My God. <laughs> yeah. Jog slowly to AAA. And Laura, for all of us, if you do get there, you need to get a shirt with his name on it that says Fisher Cats, yes. because that seems like the perfect combination of things. Yes. I will do my best. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry, back to women in baseball yeah. for a second. Right. We did get invited to participate in a social media thing for Women in Baseball Week, which is yes. going to be in July. Um, so it's the last week of July. So just in terms of things to do for women in baseball, please look for, you know, us to amplify stuff. I mean, we always post stuff about women in baseball when it's going around, but like extra special stuff that week. Yeah. And I think also from more sources than just the usual suspects, I think um, it's the July 22nd through the 28th, 28th. Okay. So uh, be on the, be on the lookout for that. And, and also I believe because it's international women's baseball is the, is the one sort of organizing it. So it won't just be limited to sort of our sphere of baseball. It's a global thing Mm -hmm. or at least attempt to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So get excited. So that'll be a trial run. Massachusetts would be a trial run on what to do or what maybe not to do. But in terms of MLB stuff, really only like two-ish things, both of which oddly centered around Tampa this week or this past little bit. Apparently they're trying an interesting model of not having starting pitchers or at least not using their starting pitchers and pretending like their bullpen is the same as a starting rotation so they started Sergio Romo in a game where he was going to get a start and one inning so it's effectively sort of just using him early for what they would want to use him later against the Angels on the idea that uh, the Angels beginning of their order is and this is I know a radical claim good (laughs) that they have you know some guy named Mike Fish Mike Marlin, Mike Muscalunge. I don't know. Uh, that sounds more accurate, actually. Mike Muscalunge. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mike Northern Pike. Like it's the fish that looks like it's like its face is really sort of a little melty, and it's got the nose that like droops. I want to say lungfish, but that's not right. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, it's Mike it's, Trout, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's Mike Trout is the name of that fish. Yes, there we Ironically. go. <laughs> Um, and and some some kid named Mo, Momani Shoblani. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, they wanted to do that, and uh, everyone kind of went ah. And and the issue isn't just like using your relief pitching up front. It's because it's in a clear attempt to basically save money on starters. Not that they have a lot of starters. Well, is is the egg following the chicken or is the chicken following the egg? Are they doing this because they don't have any starters because they don't have money to pay for starters? Or are they just saying, we'll write off the concept of starters so that we don't have to spend money? Like, kind yes. of the latter. Okay. Like, both, but kind of the latter? Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's two subtly different things, even though they kind of sound the same. So, yeah. 
And, and so, like, we were talking about this before the show. Like, this is not without precedent. Um, so the Reds did something similar in 2015. You and pointed the, out the Rockies. Yeah. Kind of had a, a, a set where they were clearly platooning a starter and a, and a reliever. That was that was much more of the second or the first scenario where they didn't have the starting pitchers. And so this was the only thing that they could figure out to do to work around. Spoilers, it didn't work. Um, <laughs> it was the only thing they could they could think of to like work around the fact that you can't get a start a decent starting pitcher to go to Colorado. So that's why I was kind of like clarifying on that one. Some of it is that they're they're apparently doing like the not a platoon situation, but sort of a platoon situation. And then some of it is that they're just going to put somebody in to start the game and then leave it. And one of the things that sort of plays into this now, Sergio Romo is like 35. Like he's, yeah. you know, he, he has been in the league for a long time. Mm-hmm. Relievers stats are often measured by stupid things. <laughs> they, they, they are like, yeah. they yeah. still measure stuff in saves as if like, you know, saves are often against not the, the heart of the order, stuff like that. But like relievers get paid, you know, closers get paid in saves um, mm-hmm. as opposed to like the number of high leverage innings that they pitch or, you know, other stuff. So like relievers, I, I feel have a, a real bone to pick with like, if you use me early for this, like on the one hand, maybe my <laughs> my um, ERA and my whip will go down because, the, you know, the first time seeing any anyone tends to lower 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 those things right um, starters or relievers and secondly like there's a there's an argument that baseball players between bp and starting their bodies and and this is weird and i'm I'm, i will explain further will somewhat forget how to hit that the memory of knowing how to hit a baseball is very fleeting and so like they do a lot of machine or not machine learning they do a lot of like learning stuff where they put electrodes on people's brains and they measure sort of brain activity and and decisions to swings and they're like oh yeah between bp and not bp if they're doing something else they've literally forgotten how to hit for a little while it's like a context specific set of memories yes and so like maybe being you know the the you know not just the first time seeing a pitcher but the first couple of innings in a game their ability to hit just goes down so like for a reliever that's good but there's a whole bunch of other stupid reliever stats that are gonna suffer from doing this yeah they're not gonna get the stats that they actually bank on yeah um, you just you can't get a save in the first inning of a baseball game and, and so like there's there's a whole bunch of things that that kind of factor into it the other thing is like so I was picking on um, the game that we played against the Dodgers last week where the Dodgers beat us and it was Rich Hill couldn't pitch. And so mm-hmm. they just bullpen beat us. You know, they, they no hit us for a little while. Then, you know, we broke up the no hitter, but we still lost the game. No one is really accusing the Dodgers of trying to be cheap about starting pitching. Because also because sometimes like that is a situation where shit happens Yes. You know, everybody's had that situation. I don't think there's a single team that hasn't had a situation where your starting pitcher has to come out of the game way the hell too early and no one could have uh foreseen that occurrence. You know? I don't know. At this point, Rich Hill's blister is like <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the the twenty sixth man. What? The twenty sixth man. Yes. Yeah. I think I could have foreseen that. Yeah, and so there there is that sort of issue, but again, like people are like, is this the end of starting pitching? And I'm like, no, because no. it it does not. You would have to fundamentally change the entire structure. Like I get 
from a certain aspect, if we're leaving aside like the money saving stuff, I get a certain understanding of why you would want to maybe like give it a go because these relievers, it's a, starting pitching and relief pitching are two entirely different animals. Relief pitchers go harder because they go for a shorter period of time. Starting pitching, you have to take durability into account, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to get, if you do pl- theoretically platoon a bunch of relievers, you're going to get five guys in a row who can hit 100, right? Instead of one guy whose velocity is going to be down but can go for five innings. Yeah. You can't do that with a 25-man roster. Mm-mm. Because you can't, you can't do that. Like you would have to have a 35 man at minimum and you would have to just fundamentally change the entire structure of how teams are organized, which that's too big to do from one team being crazy and cheap. And, and the know, other and thing I, is, I think the thing is like, this has been tried a couple times before. It's not that crazy. And yet at the end of the day, the people currently doing it are mostly doing it not because there's some sort of, you know, neo money ball visionaries, but because they're cheap. Unless everyone in baseball decided to do it and change the system, then nothing's actually going to change. There's yeah. just going to be some team messing around with their bullpen because they're cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and beyond that, just one of the products that they sell is not baseball game games. It's baseball players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the day, I want to see Kershaw pitch. I want to see Scherzer pitch. Like... And part of the reason you want to see them pitch is not just because, like, they're really good for a couple of innings. It's because they're really durable. Um, you know, I know, on the DL anyway. I know he's on the DL, but, like, still, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm spooing your man. But, like, one of the reasons you want to see them is because they go seven, eight innings into games. You know, every, every time they start, it's, the you know, a case where it's like, is this going to be a no-hitter? Is this going to be a shutout? You know, it, that's the sort of thing that makes you want to go to the team store and buy a jersey or a jersey with their name yeah, on it. Yeah, there's a, mm-hmm. a, a deeper emotional investment. Yeah. Um, and, like, if you said, hey, Dodgers, you would be just as effective. Like, let's say, okay, you get a 35-man roster and whatever you like, and you would be just as effective platooning all of your relievers, including the really slow one, mm-hmm. the one who I feel just like I physically age watching him pitch, <laughs> um, Baez. Uh, but like if you can platoon him and Kenley Jansen and, and the rest of your relievers, that's not going to have the same emotional effect. Quite frankly, I'm not rushing out to buy that particular Baez's jersey, even if he you know, is good against us. The team is going to think of it, oh, well, I'm going to, instead of selling one Max Scherzer, I'm selling 10 uh Craig Kimbrels, but realistically you're not. Like yeah. there aren't ten ten Craig Kimbrels out there for you. Yeah. Like, and and quite frankly, like middle inning relievers are always gonna be marginal guys. Stop. I know you love them. But no, I mean <laughs> you're right though. You're right. Like I am the anomaly in that I'm like, where's my clip? Like But he was an eighth inning guy. I'm talking like guys who come out in the fifth or sixth inning. Uh we all had a collective well, you all had a collective meltdown. I had a meltdown at the game of Craig Salmon. He was a long reliever. Okay. Okay. For the record. He is very handsome. (laughs) And like, I would buy a tractor theme romance novel starring (laughs) Craig Salmon of of a variety of, of, of genre and audience types. And I might write it and I will sell it to you. Hi, Craig Salmon. We all love you. But like, yeah, we have what, like Tim Collins now and the dude who got the win last night, who I'm like, who's that? It was his first big league game. Oh, God, for crying out loud. Yeah. But, like, we have him. We have, you know, like, I, I know the Nats roster, and I'm still like, who's our fifth inning person? To be fair, that's because we keep 
changing it. Yeah. Like every time I'm like, oh, I know that guy. Then he gets DFA'd or something. And where I'm like, Tim, Tim Collins, Tom Collins, what? Tim Collins. Oh, what? Are you an alcoholic beverage? (laughs) So we just called him up, right? Yeah. He was on the Royals in 2014 and had two Tommy Johns. And so that's why he wasn't playing. He has been, knock on whatever, pretty good. Wander Suero has been, knock on whatever, pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, Sammy Torres is gone. Who's Justin Miller? He's new. That was his first uh, game last night. uh, And he got the win. So it's like... So, again, I get your point, Sid, but with the Nats, it's because we just haven't had the same bullpen for an entire week at a time. But I feel like that <laughs> is a very common thing. Uh, because, again, middle inning relievers are always going to be, like, the most marginal guys on the team. Yes. And I think what's happening is people, anybody who's saying, is this the future of baseball, is thinking, well, if you have 35 people, you don't have to make all these changes because that's just your model. But realistically, yeah, you're going to have to keep making these changes. Maybe they won't be quite as fast and furious. But you would, ha- I mean, you would have to keep making these types of changes if you tried to switch to the, the Tam- let's call it the Tampa model, right? I don't want to switch to anything called the Tampa model. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the name is self-defeating right off the bat. Yeah, and yeah. it's just one of those things where everyone's like, is this going to change the game permanently? I'm like, one, the game changes very slowly and not without a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> Unless Rob Manfred decides that uh, it takes too long to walk somebody. But like, you know, I, I will say not having to for- throw a four pitch intentional walk is a little different from we're going to chuck out starting <laughs> yeah. pitchers. <laughs> By the way baseball has worked forever. You're like, Kershaw, ah, who's that guy? We never sold a jersey with his name on it. Bah! I, I, you know, I, and I get that because I can't really name like a Tampa Bay starter. Uh, yes, we can because we want him. Chris Archer. Oh, yeah. I can, I can name yeah. Chris Archer. I'll, although I'll say maybe Tampa go harder into your check out the starting pitchers. Maybe you know really double down on that because then you don't. I mean, we'll take your extra starting pitchers. I mean, if you're not using them. If you're not using them, I mean, you're clearly not. So like, you know, it's just, this is it benefits everyone. You want them to put Chris Archer on free cycle is what you're saying. <laughs> like <laughs> we'll, we'll come by and pick it up, but like I guess. Probably, he probably has a couple scratches on him. We'll take it. Don't yeah. worry. We'll send the helicopter for him. Yeah, the the helicopter needs to come. The helicopter need to come for JT Real Muto. That like, too. That's not new. I know, no. but like this, the, the our series against the Marlins has has proven that. Like Justin Bohr is also good. Derek Dietrich's also good. Chris Cameron Mabin also good. But like, come on, JT Real Muto. It's absurd that the the Mets haven't gone after him. I had heard that they have and. Whatever the Marlins were asking, they didn't want to pay. Um, I guess they also have Maserato now. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. Somehow I managed to forget that they sold Harvey to Cincinnati. I, I don't know how I forgot that. It only happened three weeks ago. Because it's been relatively quiet since then. Yeah. Honestly, I have to say I want to send the helicopter for everybody on the Marlins, baby or not. I just I kind of feel like everybody in the Marlins organization needs to be saved from the Marlins organization. Like, yeah, maybe I mean, especially the little babies. Sorry. They were posting, I guess, on Friday, the paid attendance at the game was 7000. I know. What the at a stadium. What? They, sh- they should just do what the athletics do and just give out free tickets. Yep. I, like, or something with every ticket you get a pony like, <laughs> <laughs> um Brittany de la Creta, when we were at the game was talking because she's from florida was talking about basically like how the marlins organization has historically tried to alienate the latino community in florida like 
why well racism but like yeah. but like i'm like yeah that's that shows because like 7000 paid attendance and like 3500 of those were nats fans mm-hmm. like they were like the nats I, fans no, were like the dodgers fans during the series here where it was like oh oh why are we cheering oh right you're wearing blue okay sit down the three nationals that i can think of off the top of my head from florida their families yes. could outnumber marlins fans yeah um like, i i did like they made a big deal of like michael a taylor had a good game they're like well he's it's because he's eating you know sleeping in his own bed eating home cooking blah 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 and i'm like okay guys like maybe let's let's also attribute it to he's been very clear about the amount of work he's putting in on his at bats yeah yeah give him a little credit like speaking of florida back to other terrible florida yeah speaking of other terrible florida so cano who's obviously not in florida got suspended for peds and he tested positive for a masking agent it's a diuretic that they claim Mm -hmm. is used to mask peds carlos even the peds just the, the masking agent at which point um carlos gomez who is on the rays uh and you know is a veteran player for the rays basically said he feels that they are disproportionately targeting older and latino players for drug testing and that he personally has been tested more times than you know random testing would warrant that the older players including denard span um have been tested a huge number of times this season um, that they're all really paranoid, particularly if they're going back to like the DR to get medical treatment. They're really paranoid that like because they're so over tested <clears throat> that they're gonna like take something during that time. That's by, like just by yeah, yeah. Like they're like yeah. I think the example he gave was like somebody had like had to go to the hospital in the DR and like has no room to consent over what's happening if they're not conscious, yeah. and then you're gonna suspend them for eighty games. And I'm to trying- be fair, like if you throw enough tests at a thing. Sooner or later, something's going to come up positive because medical testing is very good in most cases for stuff like this, but is not perfect. And so you hear about over-testing as a problem in medicine because with any given test, you're going to get X number of false positives. And you always have to make sure when you're deciding to run a test medically that it's worth the chance of a false positive or a false negative. And Obviously, these aren't medical tests in the same sense, but they do impact people's livelihoods. There are such a thing as false positives, and I think that's important to notice that like, once you're over-testing to a certain degree, the chance of false positives is going to go up with that over-testing. Yeah. If you keep looking for something, eventually you're going to find something. Yeah. And then you know, you'll find a way to spin whatever you find. But I'm trying to work through the older part. And the only thing I can think of is that they're trying to get older people off their team without having to pay to get them off their team so they can pull younger people in. Because, like, I get the other one. The other one's just racism. Um, (laughs) Shocking. And and, and the question kind of becomes, like, let's say, say just, and I don't believe this, but let's say that, you know, all of the people that they are testing and finding PED use in are actually doing it. Right? Yeah. But let's also say if you tested a comparable older white player, would you also find the same? Also find the same. And because you're not looking for it and you're not looking for it actively, you're excusing that as a behavior and disproportionately punishing people for, again, the same behavior. Mm -hmm. And it it, like and so like the, the if it's a false positive to me, absolutely does matter because like they're saying, oh, it tested positive for this masking agent. It's like, okay, but like. 
he had an older dude. Maybe he's just taking a damn diuretic. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. But, like, again, let's let's pick on Mark Reynolds because he's a older veteran player who's on the Nationals. You know, if they tested him repeatedly, can we say categorically that, like, the Mark Reynolds traffic cone type that we are inherently <laughs> specializing in are not also using? Right. And I don't believe that only people from the DR are, you know, yeah. in Latin America are only using these things. And it's sort of both the we're going to penalize the older guys to get them off of our team combined with we're going to excuse this type of behavior in other kinds of players who we feel. And this is a literal quote from Davey Martinez about Mark Reynolds. Play the game the right way. Oh, yeah. and I think the thing like, is, so, so you guys, I think, both saw that article this Seattle Times article with the headline basically being like Dominican players violate drug policy. Mm-hmm. I um, did so, not see that specifically, but yeah. So, so somebody named Jeff Baker in the Seattle Times put up an article: Mariners Robinson Cano among latest in long line of Dominican players to violate MLB drug policy. <sighs> A again, if you're going to test them more, they're going to come up positive more. Or if you're going to only test them and not anyone else, right? B, frankly. Given the level of exploitation in the international systems, Mm -hmm. it also would not surprise me if, given the pressure and the shadiness of some of these systems, maybe there are people who are pushing drugs on younger players originally, creating a culture. And I'm not saying that that's more true or even that that is true in this particular instance. But if we take this article as, you know, truth, which we can link to and see what people feel about it, but... But even if the premise of Dominican players are actually taking PEDs more, which may or may not be true, but if we take it as true, well, there's a lot of systems that could be responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas white players who are coming up in the U.S. are not subject to the same types of exploitative pressures. Because they're not yeah. uh, put in farm systems at the tender age of 15 or 14. Mm-hmm. Right. So, And frankly, I think it's still unlikely that the rates are all that different if they're different at all. But if they are... You can't take that in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also the comparison I would draw, because I I absolutely agree with you, Laura. The comparison I would draw would be to lying about your age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are players from Latin America more likely to lie about their age? Yes. I think so. Um, Is it a little bit different about lying about your age compared to a player born in the U.S.? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's Uh, just probably easier. I think there's plenty of U.S. guys who would do it, but they've got too much paperwork. (laughs) Exactly. But is it heavily incentivized to lie about your mm-hmm. age? Yes. And the answer is it absolutely is. Because if you shave two years off your age and you say, I am 19 instead of I am 21, then like all of the trajectory stuff that they do, like gets mm-hmm. a little funky. Like they, they all kind of say, oh, well, if you're hitting like this at 19, if you're Vlad Guerrero and you're hitting like this at 19, you know, wait till you get to 23 when you really come into your own power. Versus if you're saying it's 21, maybe that that difference, like that curve is, is a little bit different. Oh, well, this is where you're, yeah. this is your max point, your high point. And so like, I, yeah, if there are systems that heavily incentivize a specific behavior and we penalize the individuals who participate in that system rather than examining the system, mm-hmm. like it's, that's, that's our fault. Like, yep. I, I, you know, I don't necessarily believe that older players and Latin American players are more likely to use PEDs. I think they're more likely to test positive for PEDs because they're more likely to be tested for PEDs. Period. But like, yeah, like, eh, we all want to believe that like no one on our team is going to use it, blah, blah, blah. I think they're going to get away with what they can get away with. Mm-hmm. And if the ethos is I'm a traffic cone and I can take whatever I want because I am a, a white beardy traffic cone mayo, 
then they're going to do that. Or people, I mean, people just when there are systems in place to keep it that way, it just sort of doubles down on the problem. Yeah. And I think if you said, hey, everybody, you could use greenies again, like <laughs> people would be swallowing <laughs> them by the damn handful. Every uh, single every single veteran. Yeah. No, yeah. no kidding. And um, so, like, it's not like baseball hasn't had a very recent culture of permissiveness around PEDs. And so, like, the, the disproportionate crackdown on scapegoating. Yeah. Specific kinds of players. I think in some ways, yes, to move them off rosters so that you can call up new cheap people who are also incentivized to use it if they are 19. It gets into basically a a system that is heavily monetized and in favor of management almost all of the time. Mm. Well, to be fair, literally that's all of baseball yes. for its entire history. <laughs> this is just a new way of doing it. Yeah, but like you can't you can't take PED testing in the in a vacuum. No, of course not. I, I have no feelings either way about Carlos Gomez. I can tell you that the only feelings I have is when people call him Cargo, I confuse him with the other Cargo. Yeah, don't call yeah. him Cargo. He's not Cargo. No, he, he is Cargo. People call him that. Mm, not really. Except people who get get them mixed up. This is a, this is a separate conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But like, this is not like, I don't think my baby could ever do anything wrong. Which was a little my feeling about Gio Gonzalez when they accused him of using PEDs. That was absolutely my feeling on Gio Gonzalez. Also, I'm not, I have a feeling Gio's the type of person who if someone says, here, take this, he goes, okay, what was that? <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe like that's that's another thing that we want to we wanna have players not do. Oh, yeah. take it, what was it? Meth. Yeah, oh. <laughs> but also, again, when we're talking about, especially when we're talking about international players who are basically... I can't think of a way to say this gamed into the system at 14, you know, preyed upon basically by the system at 14. They're not in when you're, you're not in a position to question what somebody is doing when it affects not just your livelihood and your family's livelihood. And if someone says here, take this, it'll help you at when you're 15 years old, you don't think, well, can I see the scientific provenance on that? Like, that's just not what you do. And I think like the um, one of the teams is having one of their new prospects do some blogging um, and he's from the U.S. And it was like he literally says, you know, baseball is the way I'm going to feed my family. Mm -hmm. And so like if you're if you're dealing with players who for whom baseball is literally the way that they are going to feed their family and you're 14. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree that you are more likely to to take whatever is handed to you on the idea that it will it will help you in the future. So like doing the calculation of am I going to get caught at age, you know, 14 or whatever, probs not. You also you know. think you'll get caught, you'll get slapped on the wrist and you'll keep going. Yeah. Um and your your image can be rehabbed like Bartolo Colon's image has been rehabbed or Michael Morse or freaking Alex Rodriguez or or Cano tested positive for furosemide? Yes. Is that the name of it? Yeah. Like, how many people in the U.S. take furosemide? What's furosemide? It's literally a diuretic that everybody and their brother takes for high blood pressure or swelling. Like, so he could have just literally had a, been banged up and took a diuretic. I mean, granted, if you're not supposed to take it, you're not supposed to take it. But And if they're saying that it can be used as a masking agent, then sure. 
But that's like one of the most common diuretics for people in this country to be on for some reason or another. It, it was just to get rid of like the Seattle humidity. I don't know about that. <laughs> but also, I mean, to, to bring back to a point of people take the things that they're told to take, like all of these young men and old men, older men, I shouldn't say old men because very few players are older than me anymore. The entire lives have been in a system of you do what the guy above you tells you to do from rookie hazing to medical trainers to whatever. And so if your doctor says you've got a bump, take this, it will help with the swelling. Well, and the thing is, what what did I just take? Is it going to possibly get me screwed over in my contract? The doctor told you to take it. There are things that it would be very hard for a doctor to give in good faith to a ball player. Furosemide is not one of those things. Yeah. So this is not like giving um, like EPO. No, you give EPO because you're blood doping. Um, mm-hmm. EPO is basically, uh, and, and Laura can explain this better than, than I can probably. It's something that makes you produce more red blood cells than yeah. plus blood doping. Yeah, but... it's a growth factor. It was discovered pretty recently. It's one of those. Well, I think it was anyway. Um, it's It's basically what Sid said, but that is the only thing that you give that for. Yeah. Um, you would have so, to have a very specific set of medical circumstances in order for a doctor to give that to you legitimately. Yeah. Um, but like you can substitute EPO for training at high altitude and then coming down and playing at lower altitude. Nature's blood doping. That's nature's, what my professors call that. Nature's blood doping. Um, you, can, <laughs> you can sometimes even take out a pint of blood and then put it back in. Mm-hmm. down the cells and put it back in which they do tend to test for but like and that can have some complications but like there are ways to do to do blood doping but like to get around the fact that if you take epo you are you are doping okay right. i take it back it was purified in 1977 um still so it's not new but anyway but like it, i think it's relatively new in its use in blood doping i my assumption was it was used for people with like various anemias before yeah yeah okay. you can use it for Myelodysplasia, different types of anemias. It can also kill you if you take too much of it. That makes a lot of sense. Adding extra blood to your body probably isn't a great thing in the long run. You start clotting. The amount of blood that we have. Yeah. Yeah. You get Uh, really viscosity high and then you just die. So Um, don't take that, kids. (laughs) I wanted to give an example of something that was very clear cut, like, unless you have a specific type of anemia, which a ball player Mm -hmm. is very unlikely to have, taking EPO. Is, yeah. is clearly doping versus taking something that is a diuretic, as you said, is commonly prescribed as a masking agent. It feels like kind of bullshit. And yeah. in case anybody's heard of it under the name Lasix, that's also furosemide. They're the same. And, okay. you know, I don't know if that makes a difference for you guys, but if any of our listeners are familiar with Lasix, that's furosemide. Your grandfather probably takes it. My grandfather probably takes it. <laughs> Robinson Cano is my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> So with yeah. all of that, do we want to talk about one? Soda? Well, yeah. Speaking of uh, young men, young international players who, uh, young Nats- international men who are phenoms at nineteen, one Soto. The Nats do have a setup in the DR where they have definite, like they had the video of the uh, of all of his teammates yeah. in the DR reacting, which was adorable. was adorable. But again, you remember, oh my God, they are all, they are not old enough to go to prom yet. Like they're nineteen. <laughs> yeah, they are. Not some of them are def were definitely yes. not nineteen. Some uh, of them were definitely younger than that. But no, Juan Soto, we could let's talk about Juan Soto outside of the context of the sad stuff that we just heard. Cause Juan Soto has been Mwah. kiss your fingers. Mwah. So so we only have four outfielders actually technically speaking listed on our roster right now. <laughs> and we have four outfielders and a bunch of traffic guns. Yeah. So I I cuz I was looking at the bullpen guys and then I scrolled down and it's it's Harper, 
and Taylor and Stevenson and Soto. Yeah. Yep. Sounds about right. We're and a match. Matt Adams if he gets lost. Yeah, I mean, but he's not even listed as an outfielder. He's listed, yeah. we have everybody, everybody and their brother listed at first base. Yeah. And so I, I get like it's been our defense against the dark arts position. Like everyone who goes there. Though Goodwin is in his rehab game. I know. Oh Thank god, please, goody, please. Everything. And like we started the season where we're like, we have a preponderance of outfielders. Like we have Robles and we have Batista. And then I was like, oh, Oh, is, I shouldn't have said that. Well, to be fair, there is a reason we have 50,000. Typically, teams carry 50,000 outfielders is because all outfield positions are somewhat defense against the dark arts. We have it significantly worse, but outfielders do things like run into walls and slide on their faces. <laughs> I was so. at the game where Kendrick uh, ruptured his Achilles tendon, Ooh. <laughs> which is now the second game I have been at where someone has had a season ending injury. Yeah. I was with you at Eaton's Eaton. And then, yeah, I, we saw, we all saw that. And it was like, there's a, a drain pipe or something in the outfield that he probably got his spikes caught on. That's sorry. No, I, I just put a lot of money to the swear jar for what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Um, and so like, I am angry about a drain pipe. Yeah, it's not that hard to put a cover on it, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, is that what people think? Actually, what happened? That he he definitely caught something there. It, he seemed to be like it seemed to be a twist injury. It, like I was with Jen Rubenstein, and she she ha- was like, oh yeah, there's a there's a drain pipe out there that he might have gotten caught on. Um, so I we were across, so I was down the first baseline, so it was pretty far from where mm-hmm. he was in, in left field. Um, but like it, it appeared to be a twist injury, and he did not get up. Like they they brought the card out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like we we started with a preponderance of outfielders because outfielders run into walls and slide on their faces, but also because like they have weird freak accidents. All right, so tfu, tfu, tfu on all of that, because I already love Soto and the fact that his name sounds like Han Solo when you say it all together. Also, the fact that he did the Bryce Harper hair shake thing. That was oh, did he? I missed that. Oh, my yeah, God. So, so they took his helmet off after his homer, and he did the, the motion of the hair flip, even oh. though he doesn't actually have hair that does that. He did the motion, <laughs> and it was amazing. It was yeah, it was it was pretty pretty incredible, um, and everyone was like, our heart grew like the like the Grinches at that mm-hmm. moment. Like, and we were all prepared to love, you know, a, bl- a blessed uh, baseball infant, mm-hmm. but like that was amazing. I I do kind of think that once Goody is back, he should probably go back to AAA. So, oh, not back to AAA. He never was in AAA. But yeah, like, he just kind of skipped. <laughs> what did he start in? Like low A. Sub, he started sub single A, didn't he? Yeah. This season, yeah. Um, I was having this conversation, which is, are the Nats going to do that? Should the Nats do that? And I think it's going to be entirely dependent on his performance. If he keeps playing the way he's been playing, I don't think the Nats are going to send him down. They're going to assume that his turkey thing has popped out. And can you imagine the outcry if he keeps playing like he's playing and they send him back down? Well, and I think there's there's a whole conversation to be had about when everybody comes back, what do we do with the Reynoldses and Adams mm-hmm. in terms of regular playing time because they're hitting. Yeah. And we've we've seen it happen before, Cough Cough 2015, where everybody's been hurt. The bench guys and the goon squad have held down and been hitting and been winning and then all the guys came off the DL who were supposed to be everybody's saviors, and then none of them hit, and we lost. 
Yeah, and I think like it's interesting. Every time they interview any of our traffic hounds, they say that um, oh, we have an all-star you know team on the DL. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's it's a case of one, Mark Reynolds is hitting. Two, Matt Adams is hitting. Um, Matt Reynolds is in AAA now. I th- I kind of assumed he must have yeah. gone back down. Uh, I can't keep track, honestly, between uh, the two Reynoldses and all the mats. I have no idea which one is which. This just uh, makes me think that they are, in fact, the same person. I've never <laughs> seen them in the same room together. No. <laughs> um, and I think, like, at first base, I love Zim, but at first base, there is a, an argument to be made for having one of the traffic cones instead of Zim. Or at least uh, a platoon situation. Uh, are yeah. we suggesting Zim is not a traffic cone? I. He's our traffic cone. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think in that sense, I, I feel that they're all pretty functionally equivalent defensively. Yeah, I, but like, I, I mean, offensively. Yeah. Not. Um, they're both hitting better than Zim. And so I could see that, you know, Murphy, we have to see how he's hitting. Right. I think that's a big question. Mark. Yeah. And um, he's starting his rehab assignment today with Goody. With- they're both heading to Harrisburg today. Yeah. yeah. And I think like... Defoe is not I, he's better at second than he was at third in his defense he had never played third before so <laughs> yes in his defense that is correct you know who has played third base Tony Rendon yes but also Pedro Severino was a third baseman cute oh that's right somehow Which, does that not explain to you a lot of things about Pedro Severino yes it really really does um like, I, I watched his interview and he was like I don't want to play catcher I'm a, and I'm just gonna go home now it was so cute what? Um, so he was talking about, um, when he was like 15 or 16 in the DR, he was a third baseman. They wanted him to catch instead. Um, he basically was like, nah, I think I'm going to quit. And his dad was like, okay, well, if you're quitting baseball, you're quitting school and coming to work with me, which again, like, yeah. And Pedro Severino was like, I will play catcher. Yeah. Which again, I'm like, oh no, they should, you should be at school. But like that explains a lot about his willingness to sort of just like throw his body into various places and, and why he's um speedier than the average bear like yeah. <laughs> um why he can run a, run the baseballs uh, i have been very pleased with him um i i do think we need maybe a different backup catcher well we need a backup i mean i i know we have kaboom but like we need an actual backup catcher yeah i like kaboom but talk about the turkey thing not popped yet yeah, yeah. Um, i think he's rapidly running out of years for the turkey thing to pop unfortunately is he he's like 26 25 or 26 I mean, there's three of them so i can't keep the track. other two are infielders so oh my god he's One's 27 and the other one is technically has not been drafted because he's still an actual fetus. Yeah. yeah, no, um, yeah. Carter, no, you're right. Carter's young. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Spencer is 27. Yeah. Oh, God. He's even older than I thought he was. I had no idea. I thought yeah. he was like 20. I mean, yeah. people can obviously break in the bigs at, uh, at the advanced age of 27, but <laughs> you can't keep saying whether or not the turkey thing is like if the turkey thing hasn't popped yet, it's not going to pop. Yeah, and maybe that's a perfectly serviceable for a backup catcher because, like, mm-hmm. we had Loby last year. Mm. But it's more like comfort and familiarity with pitchers, ability to call games. Like, there's there's a bunch of other. Yeah, things. there's a lot of stuff that's not just batting. Yeah, uh, but Severino's willingness to like last night he caught something against the the netting. Yeah. Um, yeah, which was adorable. He kind of just like threw himself. He's like, "Oh, the netting will catch me," and caught it, <laughs> and was like, "Hi, guys!" <laughs> um, which was amazing. So he he defensively, I find because I love a third baseman, is is I find a joy to watch. Well, and he always so so I've been impressed with his ability to throw out guys stealing. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond the actual ability, I've just really been enjoying the faces when he makes the throw <laughs> and it's good and the guy's out and he's just like, yeah, what? His um, faces are always like, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. What and the want? occasional finger wag of like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, like he and Defoe, like if Murphy is hitting, I get that. Maybe we want to platoon him uh, at, at second base until if he needs to heat up. But like he, um, Severino and Defoe as like the energy twins are amazing. <laughs> There's a reason they were both candidates for the thriller nickname there. Yes. I, I'm glad that one of them is teaching uh, Trey Turner Spanish. <laughs> That was like the most like random and adorable thing. Like what like how did it come up? Are they like putting their heads together on the team bus? Like what's going on here? I only know what Dan Colco knows. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Which was what Defoe says no Rosetta Stone. Defoe Stone. Defoe Stone. Stone. <laughs> um which for players we can best be his nickname on his on Defoe his Stone. On his jersey, a Devo Stone. But Trey, you're from Florida. You should know some damn Spanish. Like, you're not wrong. Maybe he knows a little bit, but not apparent. Well, I guess that was Severino, not apparently the word for fart. Which actually, now that you mention it, I don't know the word for fart, which is <laughs> well, amazing because I was in a Spanish-speaking kindergarten. But you wouldn't. Like, it wouldn't. It, that's not something your teacher's like. And now here are these words. <laughs> like no, but like I, I feel like I would have learned it in kindergarten. Yeah, I feel like that's something you might have pick, picked up on. But but yeah, I, I'm glad Trey is learning Spanish. I you know I I think one of the the reasons that they wanted to hire Mart you know Davy is because he does speak Spanish, which which is a good thing to you know a good attribute yeah. to have. Possibly um, when like given... half of your team is you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, g- given that we have a very heavily Spanish-speaking team, I-, I do, and we can go back. I think that white players get a lot of credit for learning Spanish. We are not giving the credit to Trey Turner for learning it. We are thinking it adorable that Defo was teaching him it. Yes. Okay. That is fair. Um, I'm thinking that like somebody on on the Effectively Wild Facebook group was like, Rich Hill's fluent in Spanish. And then they had like a video and everyone's like, no, no. <laughs> no, no. The only like, thing Rich Hill is fluent in is blister. Oh, he's fluent in curveballs. If we keep talking about Rich Hill, I'm going to have to talk about somebody peeing on Jeremy Hellickson. And I don't want to. What's wrong with Jeremy Hellickson, by the way? I was under a rock for a couple days, and then a he blister. wasn't there. Oh, it's yeah. Blister? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, he basically said that he gets blisters towards the end of games. By the time he's ready to throw his next bullpen, the blister has subsided. And so, yeah. like, part of the reason that they take him out, even though he's been really good for us, part of the reason they take him out not only is because it seems the third time around, like, the batting average for the opposing players goes crazy. That's the, like, that is the reason that they yeah. take him out. Like, uh, but he, he did say that, like, he starts to get a blister at that point in the mm-hmm. game. and But it does basically, you know, he, he puts some apple cider vinegar on it, drinks some apple cider vinegar and peas on it, whatever. <laughs> um, and by the time he's ready to throw his bullpen on, like, day three between, you know, between starts, the blister's gone. So, so not that he and his cousin, who used to be my housemate, necessarily have anything in common, Did but your... I once walked into my kitchen to find my housemate making an elaborate set of electrodes with metal bowls of water to electrocute his hands to kill some sweat glands so that he would be a better rock climber. That is not where I was going with any of that. I did not. That that took a sharp left. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, thank God no one got peed on in that story. No one got peed on in that story. But my point here is strange remedies might run in the family. Maybe they just have really, maybe sweaty hands run in the family. Yeah. 
or that. I know I know a lot of rock climbers and pitchers probably spend a fair amount of time trying to make their hands less sweaty. Well, considering um, they go back in the dugout and wrap their arms in ammonia towels, like yeah, they do. But like but like public service announcement kids, do not electrocute your hands. Like like just don't don't do it. I so I I was like I'm going I'm going to be upstairs, but like if you die, like Give a holler. Okay. <laughs> Was there I loud screaming? That's not going to kill sweat glands. It's going to kill nerves. I, I I didn't try to talk him out of it. It didn't seem useful. I think um, when somebody has reached the point of, I'm going to stick my hand in a bowl of electricity, there is no talking them down. They've I, made a life choice. I got needles stuck in my back and minorly, you know, that was hooked to an electrical, mm-hmm. like, stim, uh, stim machine. But, you know, like, a medical intervention is available to him if he so chooses. Um, I, again, though, not for the sweat glands. It, well, so so those are good for you. We like those. I learned from Sydney about evaporative cooling the last time I was in D.C. Apparently, it's good for you. One does need to thermoregulate, mm-hmm. um, but like, yeah, just like, did you did you just say like, hey, maybe you just want a rosin bag? <laughs> I, I like maybe you wanna wanna do the like Steven Strasberg thing and just wipe your hands all over your body when you're trying to hold on to a mountain. I can see how you would need them. Need I, to have hands or to have not sweaty hands? Well, well, you can't like take one and and take all the time in the world you want wiping it off on your baseball pants. True. Which is what Strauss does. Like, like if you're just gripping and you need to either grip or not grip, the choice yeah. of gripping is usually the, the correct one. Okay, I think I'm going to put a pin in this. Do we, do we just want to talk about Michael Moore's? Yeah, we do. Yeah, I agree. So, did either of you actually watch it? Because I yeah. didn't know until after the game that he had been on it, so I missed it completely. I, I can't get... All of it. So, so FYI, MLB TV doesn't do any of the mass and extra stuff. Mm-hmm. I get the game and only the game. All right, so Sydney has seen it. Sydney has seen it. I, I have seen it. Um, I was sitting with, with my best friend who's in town uh, on the couch watching it yesterday. And Michael Morris, who is sweet, comes on and starts talking. And I was like, no, he's new and he's recently concussed. And like, we love him. And she's like, he seems nice. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Seem nice. <laughs> he, he seems um sweet so i get i'm taking from this he was not a great uh commentator you know obviously there's a certain amount of smoothness that and and comfort that comes from it and he sort of punctuates a lot of his his speaking with phrases that are more conversational like he says the word man a lot like he called johnny holiday man about 400 times (laughs) um like i don't know man blah 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 and like as i think a broadcaster that sort of trained out of you pretty pretty early he he had some good thoughts and good experience, you know, talking about his own experience as a player. Um, he he just he needs some polishing. Well, I think it's I, I think there's a certain amount of charm again without having seen him specifically. I think there's a certain amount of charm when you're taking the player turned co- broadcaster slash commentator, where the casualness is actually almost a bonus. I mean, like, think about FP. FP does not talk in the smooth, polished way of Bob Carpenter. No, but he does have the he has, the he media more, training to. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we have a ridiculous amount of filler words on our podcast. Oh yeah. For what it's worth, FP is miles above us on that particular front. I'm not saying that he doesn't have more, but like, there's a casualness to him that is not there with other broadcasters that. 
adds to the appeal or apparently the violent dislike of FP. <laughs> we accept it a little bit more in our former players because we don't expect them to have the... We want to feel like we're having the conversation with them. Yes. It's true. It's true. You know, we think... want to feel like they're calling us man. <laughs> I don't... I, 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 mean, I can think of a lot of things I'd like Michael Morse to call me, but that's not one of them. Okay. <laughs> Nationals after dark. It's 1030 in the morning, Sydney. <laughs> Whatever. I, I'm going to make a take on me joke. Uh, I but... haven't had any coffee yet. I'm not ready for this. Uh, so... So what I will say with FP, FP has been very clear about he wants to be a teacher of the game of baseball to a fan base that, you know, at least initially hadn't had baseball for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I think that he has sort of been clear as to what his brand is. Now, is it also high golden retriever? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, he is sort of wants to make explicit some of the the um, particularities of the game of baseball. And I really like that about his commentary, even mm -hmm, though I, I also frequently yell at my TV because I'm like, oh my God, FP, what that, what did you just say? But I think that that sort of, and, and he's had a long time to polish that as his brand mm -hmm. of, I don't know why they were playing, you know, off the third baseline when Harper was clearly trying to hit it right there. You know, that right. th that was bad defensive positioning and here was why. Right. Um, you know, sort of sort of commentary that he does. Michael Morris was just it was almost like he was being interviewed about the game he just watched and not he was commentating on the game, which is something that can get polished out. Yeah. I think, you know, and and it was just sort of interesting, but it was it was more the the player than a commentator, which makes sense because he was, you know, recently recently a player. Um, and for what it's worth, he he did give us the wonderful gem, pitchers are weird cats. Yes. <laughs> Which I was like, I think you just meant like hep cat kind of cat, but, but also kitty cat. Yeah. <laughs> I was like weird, temperamental, you know, sort of um, self-centered, prone to licking. Some of them, gro <laughs> some of them growl. Yeah. <laughs> like, and apparently he also talked about Jason Worth a few times. Did you see any of that? Yeah, he um he was basically like, Oh yeah, Jason's texting me about this. Oh <laughs> yeah, he's like, he he checks up on the team. Uh, and so like I think that um I, I think that Michael Morris probably would need to have some explicit media training and yeah. some um you know, just like maybe doing some on-field interviews, maybe sort of having more targeted and possibly even initially scripted stuff of like, we're going to cut to Michael Morris, who's going to, you know, add his commentary about this and not we're going to try to have a dialogue with him mm -hmm. just so, to sort of increase his comfort with the idea of it. Can I ask two follow-up questions that either of you may, may not know the answer to, which is one, is this literally his first time doing this? Because I'm getting the impression probably... I, I would assume so. Yeah. So like he hasn't, you know, done something for the Giants organization that we're aware of or anything like that. I feel like we value him more than the Giants organization. I, well, him. their fan base really valued him, though. So if you wanted a place where people would like love to see him again and have him be like charming and stuff, I feel like Giants would be a place for all I know was the, the, the twins called him and we're like, can you just come here? And we don't know you, but... Um, he was on MLB Network a little bit, and he was okay. on CBS Radio a little bit. So he's had a little practice, but he's yeah. Still so, on so it. this wasn't literally his first time, but he also doesn't have a ton of experience. Basically, between when he was released from the Pirates and when he 
was re-signed by the Giants, mm-hmm. um, he was bouncing around a little bit, and that was one of the things that he did. Okay. And then, fun fact, according to Wikipedia, um, it was at Hunter Pence's wedding <laughs> that he was talking to the Giants GM and got a handshake deal to come to spring training. Oh, that's cute. That yeah, is cute. I think that's really cute. I really like Hunter Pence. I really like his wife, Alexis, and I really like Michael Morse. So all of that <laughs> makes me happy. Everything. Yeah, that's a, a lot of good happiness. Um, second question would be, clearly he seems to be making a stab at being a broadcaster as he transitions out of being a player. Do we think that him being on Massena is a sign of things to come? Like maybe he'll come home to us? I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Like, do you think this is a one-off he happened to be in D.C. or they just called him or like, Mikey, come here? Or like, is this like a tryout for maybe a position with Masson or something? It feels like the organization has a lot of affection for him. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he threw out a first pitch, you know, the fact that it's sort of like his career ended in a really crappy way in which we were, mm-hmm. you know, involved. Someone someone online was like, I can't believe Michael Morris is on Mass and with the team that like ended his career. And I'm like, uh no. Excuse you. Yeah. I was like, Take oh, a step back. boy. Like if I had been wearing gloves, I would have cast them off so we could have had a hockey match. <laughs> um, but like it, yeah. So I, I get the sense that the organization has a lot of affection for him. I think that he probably has a lot of potential potential as a broadcaster if you if that's something you know he really genuinely wants to do Mm -hmm. you know I don't know what his post-concussion syndromes are like you know syndrome effects are like um I don't know if that's something that you know obviously he can't play anymore I don't know if that's something he's still struggling with but yeah I mean that can be such a huge variety but it does feel like if this is the next stage in his career I I I think investing like I don't think he was a hot disaster I I think he's a baseball player who needs to learn how to be on TV a little bit more as not mm-hmm. a baseball player. His um, TV turkey thing hasn't popped. Exactly. And like, <laughs> even just very subtle things like Michael Morse clearly can speak into a microphone. Like he's done it professionally before, mm-hmm. but like y- you have to have a slightly more formal register as a, as a commentator than you do as a player in talking and so, like, he dropped a couple of, like, LYs off of adverbs, mm. which is, you know, just, like, a very slight, like, grammar bust that you do when you're talking, say, to a friend, but not necessarily mm-hmm. making sense when you're behind a desk. Like, if you Max are, yeah, a bunch, of, I mean, a bunch of them do. Like, it's it's yeah. a normal thing to go to in, in mainstream casual English. That is something that we that we do, but it is a slightly less formal register. And so I think just like if you're on the field and sticking a microphone or uh, somebody or in the clubhouse, that's totally normal. But like it's again, you're behind a desk. You look like you're wearing your older brother's suit. You know, you're talking to Johnny (laughs) Halliday. That is not necessarily something that like along with the other sort of filler words and things like that is going to lend itself to being to sounding to sounding a little bit more commentatory. Maybe his diction is good. Okay, because that's my biggest pet peeve with Max when he's done broadcasting. I'm like pronounce at least some of your consonants it does not have to be all of your consonants but just give me some of them in there somewhere well i I just think it's it's not like a have good grammar thing because like he clearly can it's just a matter of like this is a time for more formal speaking and this is a time for more informal speaking Mm -hmm. well maybe maybe a practice for him could be instead of being the guy who sits behind the desk he's the guy there out there on the field 
talking. I mean, not to take Dan Colco's job away from him because none of us want that. But like, you know, the MLB network does those like interviews in the middle of a game or whatever. And maybe oh God, I hate there's those. a role for him talking to other players. Yeah. Feel more natural and feel more conversational. Maybe and that's the word we're looking at. It felt conversational. Yes. It, it was very conversational, which was just a, a little bit like Johnny Halliday was trying to set him up for success very clearly. Mm-hmm. But like, again, is it ready to sort of be behind a desk? And I know we have Ray Knight normally. So like. <laughs> Drunk Uncle Ray being what he is. Yeah. Um, you know they they're doing like these little shorts with like um dan colco and fp going through some of the specifics of like the game Mm -hmm. that i think would be a really good fit for michael morse i like that so like fp did a whole because he played second base did a whole thing about this is how you turn a double play oh yeah 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 i remember right now and it was it was really interesting and you know fp's a very good teacher um, he's like, this is how I would do it now because I don't have to worry about like my ankle getting destroyed in a slide the way I used to have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. This is how we did it before. This is sort of why you would jump this specific way for your momentum. Like it was really, really interesting. So like Michael Morris talking about outfield roots is something I would absolutely watch. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, no, totally. Um, he might be one of the few people I would watch talking about outfield roots. I'm not going to lie. You're like, uh, he wasn't very good. <laughs> He was real bad at roots. But like FP will tell you that he wasn't a very good second baseman. And so, and I I don't know FP's DWAR, but like, (laughs) you know, I have to think that people who are not very good at something can explain it better than people who are very good at something. That's usually true, actually, because a lot of people who are really, really good at something, it's all intuitive. Yeah. Whereas if you've had Mm -hmm. to work and try and analyze and break everything down a gazillion times because you're not very good you might be better at explaining even if you're not that great at doing like Ted Williams was not a great hitting coach because he just under, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Like, and, and yeah. I was listening to something that was like, if Ichiro is going to be a coach, he's going to have to be like, so you just hit the ball real fast. <laughs> and I'm like, I think Ichiro, you know, definitely can explain it a little bit more, but like, well, you just have very fast wrists. <laughs> it's yeah, like, just when the ball comes hit it. <laughs> uh, okay no <laughs> so so in the interest of torture and k we had really one more thing to to giggle over um i think they were supposed to be dressed up as miami vice or something but i don't know what that is that so doesn't make a whole there were no rolled collars or pop rolled sleeves or popped collars so basically they were dressed the, the whole team got on the plane to go to miami dressed as the backstreet boys Yes. Um, there was a request on Twitter for some singing, and I am never one to deny requests on Twitter for singing. I am going to just interject right now. I feel extremely personally attacked by the Nationals and my co-hosts, for the record. I, Go ahead. I, I wanted to note that some of them rocked the outfit vastly more than I would have given them credit for. So yes. Gio looked like he could be in a boy band, because Gio always looks like he can yeah. be in a boy band. Gio basically True. is in a boy band in his own mind all the time. Yes. But, like, I was like, Steven Strasberg looks like he could be in a boy band. He was do smiling. Not, do we not remember boy band hair Steven Strasberg? Do, but he's moved on to honeybeard dragonfly Steven Strasberg. <laughs> um, Ryan Zimmerman oddly rocked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Oddly versus Anthony Rendon. I was like, have you ever bought a pair of pants that has fit? And the nope. answer is no. What about Trey's shorts? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I have blocked out Trey's entire business from my life. <laughs> they looked really like what 
what somebody's mom buys for their for her seven year old at the like discount store because he's going to grow out of them in, in in three months and you just need him to put some put on some pants for the love of God. <laughs> like, he looked like he had already grown out of them. <laughs> like they were short. There was a lot of like leg hair, and then he was wearing really bad shoes. <laughs> it was. I do not wish to remember it. <laughs> if I have to suffer, you guys get to suffer with me. I didn't want it that way. <laughs> All right, Sid, are you singing with me or am I just no, gonna... no, 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 I can't sing. I'm going to provide statistical support, by which I mean being quiet. Oh, okay. Don't look at me. I literally cannot sing, Laura. Yeah, well. Tell me why it ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why it ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why I never want to hear you say, I want it that way. And a shout out to Sully, who didn't let us sing on his podcast. This is our podcast and we can sing if we want to. Um, <laughs> and also I dedicate that to Trey and his shorts because I want it that way. And with that, I think we're going to wrap things up. That's Laura, okay. why don't you give us yeah, a... Yeah, so, so as we mentioned, um, Murphy is now rehabbing. Um, so the way that the Queer Fancy Stats donations are going to go while he's in rehab um, are either a minimum of a dollar a game or his spreadsheet total, whichever is higher. Okay. Um, so the May total, um, including a $5 bonus for Dan Ugla making an appearance on Thirst Baseman, um, the May Queer Fancy Stats total as of now is $27, um, and it's only the 27th, so um, that could go up. So we will continue to update, yeah. and we'll let you all know once that's finalized what the final donation to match is going to be if you are interested in doing so. And we will let you know in one of a variety of ways to get a hold of us. Most direct, our Twitter, Resting Pitch Face with No G, that's where you'll actually see sort of like live time updates. Check out our website, restingpitchface.com. It's got links to a couple other things, including a place to subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, as well as a link to our uh, Zazzle store if you want to, you know, get some merch or something. Um, we're over 500. We're over 500, guys. Two, two, two. Two, 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 two. But we are. It's a, it's a fact. It's a stat. It's uh, true. <laughs> so I think things are looking up for us right now that we can foot 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 i'm gonna leave on the high note i'm Kay. Hey, i'm laura and i'm sydney let's go nats let's go nats let's go nats because i want it that way please come back tyler it's just not the same since you went away we really miss your eyewear and the way you confused that is at the plate there's a seat for you right next to Drew, and we need you to pitch the aid. Besides, there's no other team uses chocolate sauce to celebrate.